Hey, welcome and thank you for tuning in to BA Chats today. I'm your host, Kevin Koontz. And I'm your host, his wife, Rachel Koontz. She's so good looking. (laughs) You think so, honey. It's super important for you. Thanks. So what we do on our show here at BA Chats is we just brag on each other. That's about it. (laughs) So welcome to the Brag Fest BA Chats. No, 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 no. Really, really the purpose of BA Chats is to, to... talk to people in our congregation for you to get to know our staff, but also to hear the testimonies and, and, and release what God is doing in our, in our, in our body and in our planet. Listen, we are people rich. That's what we are at Bethel Atlanta. And we wanted to share our people with you. And we are firm believers in the testimony. Do it again, God. Anything you hear, anything that makes your heart jump, you need to know this. That's just Jesus. And it's for you. Yeah, he's the same to all of us. He's the same in all of us. And and let it be a wide open door. Why don't you walk through that door? Why don't you just prosper like the stories that you're hearing? Why don't you lay hands on people? Why don't you see him healed? Why don't you lead people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why don't you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How about that? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And our guest today, we do say, do it again, God. They are wonderful people, precious, beautiful people. There are so many things that we could say, do it again, God, with you (laughs) precious armors. So we have Kirk and Laura Armour in the studio with us today. Hi, you guys. Hi. Thanks for coming. Oh, sure. We appreciate you. Thanks for having us. So you people have seen Kirk and Laura around the church quite a bit. Laura's the gorgeous brunette with the wavy hair that does the (laughs) announcements with the two beautiful children. And Kirk has his sound. He's our one of our many talented sound guys, his little iPad, checking right. the sound, doing the thing. And Making so. us all come alive through a microphone. Yes, <laughs> trying to. It's amazing. We couldn't do it without you, Kirk. Thank you. <laughs> so we're excited to just get to know you guys. And so, Laura, let's just start with you. What is it that you do at Bethel Atlanta? So my job is the operations director here, and I'm also the HR director. So that basically is... Uh, making events happen, uh, managing communication and the rest of our operations staff to just kind of run all the different things that we do. Um, And then HR is, you know, taking care of the staff pretty much. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? So I transitioned um, into this uh, in November. I've been working here for, I think, almost seven years. Um, I started out doing just some accounting work um, moved into helping with different things with the school as well. And then when Vanessa transitioned into her role as worship director, I kind of uh, transitioned and took over basically what she was doing before. I think uh, seven years. Why am I? I, I didn't understand you had been there that long. This is awesome. Yeah, it started out small, just kind of hourly, um, supplementing um, other jobs with working here. And then it just kind of grew um, as as we um, got more involved and just we're here longer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Kirk, what is it that you're doing? And then Laura, we're going to come back to you and I want you to kind of fill out your position a little bit more because you do girl, okay. you make this thing go. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. She's awesome. We she do. We do a lot here. You do a lot. You are so helpful. All explaining things constantly. <laughs> yes. That is a lot of my job. <laughs> Kirk, what is it that you're doing at Bethel Atlanta? So at Bethel, I am one of the production coordinators. So we're making sure that all AV, so all the audio, all the video, everything's working on Saturdays um, at school and any other events that Bethel has. Um, Myself and Daniel Lanford actually run that department. And so 
just neither one of us can do it full time. And so we split the jobs up nice. um, to make sure everything's running, to plan out events that are coming up, new things, and make sure we have what we need. Do you do you help do the worship nights too? Um, yes, I've helped out set up a couple of those. Those um, are help so great. The planning initial stage of those <laughs> on how we we're going to set it up and where we we're going to put it and all that stuff. Yeah, y'all do so much. You are so some of the unsung heroes. Seriously, you have had your work cut out for you at Living Proof. Oh yes, we oh. well we let's see. I started me and Brent Brownlee started in January of 2017. And the first thing they were told was, okay, you no longer have storage at Sandy Creek, so you need to find a trailer so we can be portable in January. Oh. And then, oh, three months from now, we're going to be moving buildings, so you need to plan a new building. <laughs> and so that was how we started. It's hard being a church. Holy cow. <laughs> it's been <laughs> busy. It's been busy because, you know, it's not our buildings, and we got to set up every week and wow. take down what we put up every week and get it to work for us in somebody else's space. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty supernatural. Like, it's wonderful. Right. Like, hats off to you. you guys do great. Thank you. It's yeah. like we're at college age in, in the church world. <laughs> right. We're just going it's from place to place. Everywhere. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Where's the party next? That's where we're going. <laughs> right. So, you're part-time. What do you do full-time? What's your professional thing? Um, I work at a ministry in Atlanta called Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Um, I yeah. work in, nice. yep, I work in TV. Uh, started out as an editor about ooh, seven years ago as well, a little over seven years ago. Um, now I'm doing engineering management. So I make sure all the gear is running for the editors. And when we have studio production, set up that, make sure we have what we need, um, figure it out if there's a problem. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Did you know? I didn't know that. That's the coolest. Nope. How long nope. have you been working for him, did you say? I started out freelance in October 2010. So just over seven years now. So been full-time there for four, four years, years. maybe. Okay. Have I you always been years. like video, audio, always? Yeah, I went to um, university. I went to school for video production. <laughs> so that's what I majored in. You're and using so your I just, man. I am using my degree. <laughs> You're already winning. He's very tech savvy. You are super obviously right. tech savvy. And so, what university did you go to? I went to University of Georgia. It's fantastic. <laughs> we both did. Go dogs. Go, go, go dogs. dogs, man. Mainly because we're sitting here with possibly two of the biggest UGA fans out there. Oh, there are bigger ones, but I'm probably the biggest college football fan on our staff. Um me and Stephanie Ladder are holding shot. that department down. You're holding it down. <laughs> Man, we, we are getting in there. We are backing you up. We are speaking your love language. You so are. <laughs> I, I've never felt more loved than to walk in to a staff meeting on a Monday or a Tuesday after that very heartbreaking loss and hear everyone just patting me on the back. And we thought we had it. The fact that you refer to my team as we when you don't necessarily care about football at all just... <laughs> Just rubs just a special spot in my heart. Yeah, I think you might have a breaker anointing. Maybe I do. <laughs> you caused the breakthrough. We've got a lot of people on staff from staff from California, and just culturally, it's not as big. A College deal. football isn't as big of a deal. Yeah, right, as it is in the south. It's totally, not yeah. A big mystery, but they are like on board, man. They were on board with me, cheering for my team, and feeling like it was their team and I mean Jen Stockman stayed up till 10 30 trying Which, to trying to watch the game and she could 
could care less about football. I have to blow so my pole. when I eight. yeah, when I heard that, <laughs> yeah, when I heard that, I just was like, I just feel so loved. Like it definitely helped ease some of the wound of the loss. Aww. So, well, so UGA, we're gonna come back to this yep. because is that where you guys met? Uh, yeah, yes. we well, we actually we're from the same hometown. Nice. So we both grew up in Columbus, Georgia. We went to like rival high schools. Um, we both attended UGA, but we didn't meet in in Athens until after we both graduated. Oh, okay. wow. Okay, I want to bookmark this because okay. I do want to come back to how you guys met and your family. But first, Laura, back to you yes. and what you're doing at Bethel. So yeah. round out your position a little bit more because are you heading towards some staff development? Is that part of your... I yeah, it's been part of your heart. Totally. Yeah. So some of the HR side of things, um, I just really had a heart to add in some staff development um, for our team. Um, I'm probably if you had to boil me down to who's the core of who I am, boil you down. We um, core. I would consider myself a coach, like a life coach. Um, right. And so I'm actually starting in September. Um, we'll be launching um, an additional year for the school. So we'll be adding a fourth year um, and it'll be just an internship program. And so I'll be heading that up starting in September, which is super exciting. Um, Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, Blake had some cool ideas around it and um, just even just a lot of dreams and vision around how to grow the school and um, more even how to keep our part-time school but but really help build culture into people because mm-hmm. um, I've heard so many people from Eric Johnson to Blake to you know other people out at Reading talking about how if you're really going to get culture in someone it's you're talking a minimum of five years wow. you know to really like if this is something new and a different way of thinking um, as it was for a lot of us when we first started getting introduced to a lot of the things that Bethel stands for, um, it, it's a it's a process to change your thoughts and it's a process to change your actions. And so um, our school is a part-time school right now with three years. And um, historically, um, third year has included an option for, in, for having an internship. Okay. Um, and Blake really liked the idea of just kind of pulling that out and making it its own experience so that your only focus for that last year is what you're interning, the area that you're interning with. And so we're like interning in the church and the school. Yeah. So we're going to start with just having people intern with either the church or the school, um, just so that we can stay connected and make sure that since it's a new thing, we know, um, what they're getting and what they're receiving and, um, just being on top of watching the whole process. But we really want to incorporate just a lot of um, coaching aspects with it. So yeah. they, um, this, the people who intern will um, be meeting with life coaches as well to talk about like destiny and dreams and figuring out your purpose in life. And if you know your purpose, let's start setting goals to get you into your purpose. Um, and this whole like internship year would really just be a step in your destiny. Yeah. Of You might be interning with Vanessa for worship but you have a call um, to go into the business world and there's something off of her life that needs to be imparted into you for you to be successful. You know, it's not about you becoming a worship leader. It's you getting under the different people that you need to be underneath so that their anointing can become your anointing. Wow. Okay. So they will be interning, but at the same time being coached and launched into what they want to do. Yeah. That's the whole fourth year vision. Yep. 
That's wow. super cool. And those will be your people? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. That's huge. Yeah, it's fun. I just, um, last weekend, I took a, um, like a night away to go just kind of dream, and I wanted to get inspired, so I actually went home to Athens, Aww. which it still feels like home, even though it's been seven, seven years, eight years, eight years this May. Yeah, this may be eight years. Um, that we haven't lived there, and so um, just went to get inspired um, to dream and to what was coming up and what the internship could look like. And so I'm super excited to see, um, um, to see those start to become reality. Wow. So you've been helpful to my family personally with strength finders. Is that something that you are going to be incorporating? Will we have like a strength in in fourth year? Yeah. So, um, we, right now, typically we do strength finders in second year, um, within the school. Um, I've done strength finder coaching, um, kind of on my own for the past six years or so. Um, and it's just a personality assessment that really focuses on what's right with you instead of the, the weaknesses you need to overcome. So, um, once I have someone take the test, I'll coach them in what their top five are and things like that. But, um, that's definitely one of the tools that we'll probably bring in. We'll probably bring in things like disc or, um, other assessments I have found just in doing life coaching with people that um, one assessment is good you get a much broader clearer picture um, of the fullness of who you are with kind of multiple tools and learning how to weave them together if that makes sense it makes good sense I mean I didn't know that but I can see it that's helpful yeah um, so any one tool will be helpful to give you self-awareness or awareness that you can pass on to others of how do you communicate, what are your needs, those types of things. But when you put multiple tools together, you're really starting to get a bigger picture of like not only what do you do well and how do you think a certain way, but what are the underlying values behind what drives what you do. And when you can identify those things, then you know how to motivate yourself, you know how to... Um, communicate your needs with other people because you'd be communicating from a value standpoint and not just a behavior standpoint, if that makes sense. It does, so yep. from, from a deep instead of a shallow. Totally, yeah. Nice. Going to the heart of what it is that it's not just that you are direct in your communication, but there's an underlying value that's that's triggering those behaviors and, and moving those behaviors forward. What got you interested in this? Because this does, when, when you start talking about this, I think, yeah, that's completely the Lord. Like, I would, even knowing you in the short time that I have, I would say, that's completely your heart, obviously. Yeah. What got you going in the, the coaching direction? Yeah, so I have always hated personality tests. Um, <laughs> my biggest pet peeve or fear or whatever you want to call it is don't put me in a box. Don't think that you know me when that's not the fullness of who I am, you know? Like, don't pin me over here as, well, here's your admin person. I'm like, no, because I'm so much more than that. Oh, gotcha. Um, there's more to me than that. And I've always had a hard time with personality assessments because a lot of them are black or white. You know, you've either got to be an extrovert or an introvert. And I'm like, I'm somewhere in the middle. And um, Or you've got to fit into one of these four categories. And um, that's the way that they paint it. And none of us are like that. None of us are, um, or maybe there's 1% of us who are, you know, the extreme case who would fit 100% in this box. 
Um, it's a lot of people. Yeah. You have a lot of folks to totally. say, oh, category, category, category. Yeah, and we're all kind of degrees. It's like we're all these shades of gray instead of just black or white. <laughs> right. Um, and so when I worked at the Wesley Foundation at UGA, which is a Methodist campus ministry, um, one of the directors there was um, a certified strengths finder coach. And so he had all of our staff um, do that test. And I remember taking the test um, and I walked into his office. I got my results. I walked into his office. I threw them at him and I said, I just want you to know this doesn't define me. And I, and I walked out. Because I read the results and I was like, bull crap. Like, this is not, no, this is not who I am. And so he laughed at me and he sat down. He said, Laura, sit down and let me explain to you what these mean and how they work together. And I said, okay, fine. And so he did it and I was like, oh, that is a huge part of who I am. Um, Because like looking at them individually, I was like, I'm not one of those things. I'm all of those things. And it's learning how they work together. Um, yeah, it's so valuable. Yeah, so it was the first test where I felt affirmed in who I was instead of controlled. Does that make sense? That makes great sense, and that's super well said. So you appreciate, that's why you would like Strength Finders, mm-hmm. because it's not saying this is what's wrong with you, blah, 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 but this is what, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I love the value behind Strength Finders is every strength is a strength, but every strength can also be a weakness is kind of the value behind it. So so to promote self-awareness, like you need to understand what's happening here. Totally. Okay. And there are a lot of things that, especially in our American culture, wouldn't sound like a strength, but they actually are a strength when you look at it from like a mature, redeemed viewpoint. Yes, it can be a weakness, but um, in its pure form, it is a strength. And to actually call that a strength and acknowledge it a strength and... Um, affirm someone who has that within them can be life-changing. Like if, if you imagine living your whole life being told you've got to change this one thing that's the core of who you are. Um, Which is a thing. a thing. Totally. You know, and especially if like your family's strengths are in like opposite to yeah. your, your personal strengths. Um, like I'll just give a quick example. Um, I was coaching this family and all of the family members except for one had relator in their top five. And relator basically means you have a huge value for deep relationships. So you want to sit in the corner at a party and just have a conversation for hours with one person. Tell me your dreams. Tell me, like, um, what you want to do with your life. And so that was the majority of this family. And then there was one who his, like, it was in his top three was Wu. And woo stands for winning others over. So at a party, a woo person is energized by meeting new people. They're like butterflies. Woo, Becky. Yeah, they're just going to like walk through the room and meet as many new people as possible. And they're going to walk away feeling so energized. And a relator would feel so energized by just sitting in a corner. But if they had to walk around and like work a room, you know, and meet all these people, work a room. They're gonna they're gonna go home and like watch Friends on Netflix, you know, because they're so done. After being scattered amongst the crowd, so they're so done. So imagine being growing up in a family where you're the only one who loves meeting new people and loves like a big crowd or like excitement or things like that and then you know you 
all grew up, you go off to college. When you come home, your family, they just want to, like, stay at home together and play board games or, like, watch movies. And you are, like, dying to go see all your friends or do all this and interact with more people. And the tension that that causes from something that's so simple and so just core to who each of them are. So when you can at least raise awareness of that, you um, create a platform that they can communicate about it. So this is what you do, and you do this with families. Are you still doing that? I know you stay plenty busy, girl. <laughs> being able to... Yeah, I haven't... Um, I mean, I haven't, like, advertised about most of this. Most of it's been, like, you know, I'll coach one person, they tell a friend, and then I'll coach someone else. Um, so, yeah, I still... Yeah, I do this on the side. Okay, Kirk, what are your strengths? That is a great question. <laughs> I actually... Believe it or not, I actually have not... <laughs> I have not taken the test since I was in second year, which was what four or five years ago. Yeah. Oh, which means probably totally changed. Right. They've they've changed. Um, And the first time I took it was back at the University of Georgia Wesley Foundation. So inside of my top five was. You had harmony in there. Yeah. And um, what's the one that likes to use a lot of adaptability? Yeah. Adaptability. So mine has the adaptability. So it's Harmony easy. So he's fun to live with. Right. That's what I just heard him say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. My, my strengths are directly opposite hers. Oh, so right. sometimes we have tension in Not our strengths. Not all of them, but uh, several of them right. are oh, you guys pretty opposite. So mine will fluctuate a little bit depending on the environment I'm in. So sometimes if I've been in one environment for a long time, I'll take it. And my strengths, I think three of my top five changed the last time I took it from when I had taken it. For four or five years before. Which would be adaptability. So, right. Yeah, it's so the nature so mine, of that strength. Mine, I don't know what they are at the moment. <laughs> you still have adaptability pretty high. I would say, um, yeah, I mean, you have harmony up there. You have includer. Right. What is there? harmony? I've never even heard of harmony. Can't we, you, Isn't that some kind of corn you eat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that's hominy. <laughs> that was harmony. Right. Babe. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, what is harmony? I mean, um, so harmony is, a, explain this. <laughs> harmony is a strength or you just want the definition of As the word harmony? <laughs> we know harmony and harmony, but what is harmony and strength finder? Yes. A strength finder. So in the context of strength finders, harmony is a strength where you recognize that us as a group, we're all in this boat mm. together and we will get further in the areas where we have agreement. So someone who has harmony is going to value, um, Agreement. They're going to evaluate like unity on the team and coming together and um, being able to find something that you all think the same way about and then move forward in that area. So the the downside of harmony and how it's a lot of times portrayed is that you're afraid of conflict, but it's actually that you're the you're going to be the first one to um, sense disunity on your team because that's going to um, be an energy drainer for you. You're going to be like, Oh my God, I'm kind of dying on the inside. Why are we all fighting about this thing that doesn't really matter? Why can't we all just get along? Basically. Right. So if you can, if you can nurture and take care of the harmony people on your team, they're going to be the ones to indicate to you how healthy the unity of your team is. Um, first and foremost, because they're going to be the ones who start dying slowly on the inside when there's a lot of disunity and unnecessary conflict um, on your team, if that makes sense. It makes great well, sense. It makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a harmony person. So I, I actually was the harmony person who was afraid of conflict. But mm-hmm. actually, my 
I've gotten better at it over the years. Um, in large part due to my boss at leading the way. <laughs> he is the complete opposite. He has no problem with conflict and will bring it on any moment. And so I've had to learn, how, no, you really think this? you got to stand up to him. And he doesn't get offended and he doesn't care. He's like, oh, bring it on. You, uh, we can have conflict all day long. I don't care. What would like, that be in strength leaders? <coughs> um, it could be a few different things. Um, it's probably <laughs> a combination of different things. Um, some of your more like assertive strengths are like, um, belief can be assertive depending on what the values are. Mm-hmm. Um, command yes. is a very like assertive leadership strength. Um, things like, um, even things like arrangers or achievers, some of your executing strengths can be very assertive when paired with like a, like a dominant personality, mm-hmm. like from disc. Um, so some combination of that. Oh, you think what I'm thinking, honey? Nope. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I have no idea. This is so helpful. Oh, yes, we do. We have too. waited in a little bit, and just the little bit that mm-hmm. we waited in has been super helpful. So Laura took our oldest daughter, Eden, through um, Strength Finders, and oh my gosh, it's like her, it's in her little language now. Yeah. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. in her mom. I can utilize my yeah. positivity, which I'm like, babe, you can't get out of positivity. <laughs> 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 if there were such a thing as a super dominant strength, it would be yours. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It, it helps in that regard, actually, just to know and understand people. Oh. But it also helps. <laughs> it, it helps you when to understand why sometimes you have tension or conflict with people. But I would, like, I took it and I read the little book, right? Okay, great. I got the little explanation. It's actually very helpful to have somebody explain what they mean because sometimes how they explain them in the book is not exactly right for how you use it. Because different combinations of strengths function a little bit different. So like um, so like harmony for me may function different than if Kevin had harmony because his other four strengths are going to be different. Right. So his are going to function in a different capacity or different role. But it's good to have conversation starters <laughs> to know the strengths finder. Oh, man. Boy, is it a conversation starter. So your Absolutely. first your first introduction to that was at UGA. Correct. Okay. And you were studying again. What were you studying? What'd you I studied you? video production. Video production. Yep. Still using it. When did you guys graduate? And are you the same age? Mm-hmm. We are. Okay. So we graduated in 2006. Nice. It sounds so long ago. You went out just a second. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't Longer. seem like it though. More than 10 years. Yeah. That's wow. It's been 11 years since we were there. Oh, or wow, since we graduated. Sorry. We that left Athens in 2010. But we graduated you didn't in 2006. Meet afterwards? How did that work? You so you went to UGA. Well, um, UGA is ginormous. UGA is big, right? It's very big. Yeah. And everybody's always surprised that we grew up in the same hometown but didn't know each other. But what? Columbus is actually too. pretty big. It's, it's nice. three or 400,000 people. It's a good size. And so there's seven high schools, and we lived on the opposite side of town. So we never yeah. went to the same schools at any point in yeah. growing up. Have you had that conversation if you wondered if you ever crossed your paths or in the same place at the same time? We've, we've probably I'm been because sure we, we went to rival high schools, so... I mean, probably for football games and stuff, we were both there, right? Just on other sides of the field. Right. So, so. how did you finally meet? Yeah, so. um, <laughs> you want to tell your story or my story? <laughs> oh, well, there's always the he said, she said. I right. mean, you know, guys. I, I remember. I remember. Guys' her, versions like five minutes. Girls' versions like twenty five oh, minutes. Oh, yeah, that's oh, no, true. No. So you know. So yeah, the so, the yeah. first time we actually met, he doesn't remember. I remember this night. Now that she explains it to me, <laughs> I just didn't remember who Stumble I met. Stumble through that one. 
Yeah, right. yeah. We've had this conversation. I just didn't remember who I met. So we so. had a mutual friend from Columbus introduce us one night, like at Wesley. Um, they have a Wednesday night service. And so Evan introduced us, um, and we had a brief conversation, and then he went on working because he was running sound there. Um, but then we really met uh, when we both interned at the university uh, or at the Wesley Foundation at UGA. Um for two years. And so that's where we became friends there. Um, we would ride home together like for Christmas breaks and things like that. Since you we found out we both lived in Columbus really. Like, oh, let's conserve gas. Cause we don't have any money. Right. We were living um, on support <laughs> as interns at the university of Georgia. Gotcha. So it, we had zero money. So we were friends and then, um, we actually led a mission trip together our last intern year. And, um, mm-hmm. I guess about a month after that, we started dating. Yep. Um, we had talked about it before right. and then decided to start after, start dating right. and then got engaged. We wanted to wait till afterwards because we didn't want any awkwardness, awkward conflict stuff to happen being newly dating on a mission trip we're leading. So we're like, nope, we're going to wait, push this off afterwards and we'll reconsider after we get back from the trip. <laughs> Guys, and it worked out. Because like. it was, it so worked good. out. <laughs> <laughs> it worked it out did. Well. Too fun. Well, so the Wesleyan Foundation, mm-hmm. where you both interned, tell me about that. Because I understand, I've mm-hmm. heard Laura, you've had some great experiences there, like phenomenal ones. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's a great ministry. Um, It's the Methodist campus ministry, so a they're all across the nation, like different universities have them. So the one at UGA is the largest in the nation. Wow. Um, wow. So that is encouraging. Right. That's encouraging. Yeah, it's it's very atypical for a campus ministry. So I think right now um, they've kind of exploded even since we've been there. Yeah. I mean, I think on they're a Wednesday night they typically have big. like between around 1,200 students come. You guys, let's get this out. I would like mm-hmm. to talk about this because it's just so easy to hear negative information coming off of our college campuses, and it's mm-hmm. so discouraging. But mm-hmm. this is not discouraging. This no. is a big no, deal. This is this great. Is big news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, impacted both of our lives, and um, they have, I think, around um, 800 students now who are getting discipled one-on-one wow. weekly. One-on-one. Um, when we were there, I think it was closer to four or five hundred. They've got mm-hmm. a staff of, um, I think, around fifteen directors and almost seventy interns. Wow. Um, so so they've got seventy plus, you know, post college age kids. So like twenty two, twenty three year olds <laughs> who are working there, raising their own salaries to work there for one, two, or three years. Wow. Whoa. Um, and it's am- like it's amazing. Yep. Um, it's really discipleship based. So there's a lot of like one on one discipleship is kind of the heart of the ministry. And that's where they say that like transformation happens. Gotcha. Oh. Mm-hmm. So so that's um, a Methodist mm-hmm. ministry. So it is, is. it is. So is that where you guys were raised? Were you guys raised in the I, Methodist church? Yeah, I, I was that's actually. Super cool. That's why I decided mm-hmm. to go there when I got to campus. But I visited a couple of the others as really? well. But. I don't. That one was well, just drew me in. Yeah. Learned a lot there over the years. It it is not going to look like most Methodist churches you walk into in the South. When awesome. we were when we were there, well, most of the so the 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 pastor there is just he's got a little bit different, I guess, belief systems than a lot of the Methodist uh, people because he he met Jesus and that's how he came to the Lord when he was already in his twenties or thirties, right? 
Yeah, he was like in so, his mid twenties. <coughs> Jesus woke him up mm-hmm. in the middle oh, of the night. Okay. What? He so met, literally like, met Jesus. Yeah. So this is how he came to Jesus. So he just believes. So basically, his theory is Jesus says it in the Bible. We can do it. Let's go for it. So oh, healing, wow. tongues, miracles, all that stuff. He believed it. So yeah, he taught on it, and we preached on it. So it's wow. the teaching's going to look a little bit more like Bethel than it does like most Methodist churches, um, which can was a little bit of a change a for me. Experience? I mean, I know there are some wonderful things, but can you all pick mm. something? Um, for me, Wesley is where I met the Holy Spirit. Oh, um, like I... I met Jesus when I was probably eight or so, but then I would say when I was 20, I had an encounter with him and I actually started following him. And, um, when I started interning, um, my life, like he totally flipped my life around at 20. And, um, I started interning at, at the Wesley foundation. And I remember one of the first days, um, I was like, yeah, I'm all about Jesus, but I am not really sure about this whole, like, Holy Spirit thing and um, I may just put that over here and I'm just going to focus on Jesus and I will never forget Clay Kirkland got up first day of intern training he said you know you'll hear people criticizing different churches for overemphasizing the Holy Spirit um, but the Holy Spirit's God and so I'll never accuse you of overemphasizing God and so something shifted in me of I'm like oh, I've been viewing the Holy Spirit through the lens of the gifts of the Spirit and people's abuse of those gifts. But he is a person who I can get to know the same way that I've fallen in love with Jesus. And so I just started walking on this journey of meeting him and getting to know him. And I remember, like, um, I would read about different things, like I I was stuck in Acts, so I just kept reading about in Acts because I was an outreach intern, and wow. and it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I was an outreach intern, and I was like, guys, whatever we're doing is not working. Like, this isn't working. This isn't working. And so we were reading Acts, and I was like, okay, so here it says that you know, Peter um, went and he healed people. What if we go do that? Like that seemed to that seemed to work there. Can we go do that? Um, that seemed to be effective. They got a good and, thing going during it. Totally. Oh, no. and, and I would read about different things. Like I'd read about speaking in tongues. And I was like, okay, so Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me why I should speak in tongues. And so he just became my teacher that first, those first two years that I interned there. Did and you get the baptism just getting to know the Holy Spirit? No, I got, I, so I started speaking in tongues. The weirdest thing, I got tonsillitis when I worked there. And I could not get well. And so we had just started going after praying for like physical healing. So we were starting to do these nights where people would come and we would pray for healing. And so, um, I was there and I had a, had like a weird encounter with this guy there. He was like, not really encouraging the way he was praying for me. And then my friend came and she was praying behind me and something happened and she shifted, like her prayer changed, um, I couldn't hear what she was saying, but I could feel it. I'm like, you're not no longer praying for me to be healed. And that was in that moment, I heard a word um, that wasn't English. And I was like, okay, I've been talking to you, Holy Spirit, about um, speaking in tongues. So I'm just going to believe that this is you. And so I started praying one word for like months. I just had one word. (laughs) And then like... remember the word? 
Um, no, I don't even remember the word. Cause like now I don't even think about it, you know? And so I would just pray one word and then like another word would come and then it just kind of developed into, into what it was. Yeah. Laura, that's beautiful. So you, you got the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. When did you get the baptism? Kirk? Was it in the good old Wesley days? Mm, probably. As far as actually like speaking in tongues, I actually don't. Do you still not to speak this day. Still to I don't. This day? I haven't. I've prayed for it before. I've had other people pray for me for it. I just yeah. it hasn't. I felt like it's been close before. So as far as that that aspect goes, I feel like it's been close. Like been praying or been in meetings and going after it, and I'm like, it, it's there. It's on the tip, <laughs> but it's just Literally not coming out. Like I tongue. could feel something wanting to come out, but I'm like, it just it has never happened. Um, are you comfy but, talking about that? I want to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, this no, is super fine. helpful. I mean, there are folks, mm-hmm. this, you hear this yes, all the time. Right. Yeah. So I would love, if it's okay with you, a little bit of your experience just to connect with folks and encourage them. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I'm comfortable talking about it. Um, I actually haven't talked about it in a while, so I, I kind of forget about it a lot of times. <laughs> Bam! That I just Here don't, that yeah, I just don't, so you know? And so people are always like, oh, yeah, just speak in tongues. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, like, I got over it kind of quickly. Like, oh, you don't, like, because... At Wesley, they were very encouraging. Like, hey, it's not required to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit to minister to the Lord. Like, yeah. to make sure they're not saying, hey, you have to have any of these gifts to show that you're a Christian or even that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Right. And so, like, through that, I guess, like, people going after it, and people would pray for it at Wesley, or people would pray in tongues, not during the service, but, you know, during prayer times and stuff like that. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just pray in English, and it's fine. And so, like, I kind of, I guess, don't have a huge, um, like, oh, gosh, I have to do this to be this way, or I have to feel like this to do this. Mm-hmm. Because I guess I just learned or was taught that, hey, it doesn't, that doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't one of those things that was forced on you, like, mm-hmm. you know, some churches and religions have done in the past sure. to say that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I appreciate you sharing that. No kidding. I was talking to somebody last week. It was, they just don't have a prayer language yet. Is it something mm-hmm. that you right. would ever, are you pursuing at all? Are you open? Or are you just um, I, I do think about it at times. Sure. It's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm going after this all the time, sure. 100% of the time, which I know is how a lot of people get their prayer languages. So <laughs> maybe I should change that, but it's just not something I've like gone after 100% of the time. Like, fully all the time at any point like I've prayed for it and you know thought about it and tried it before but not awesome. hadn't developed yet awesome you rule yeah. so we have to share just a, just a second because this is hilarious what about Kevin when I got the baptism when I was 12 between me mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit at wow. a Baptist church camp <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome not know what was going yeah. on I bet the people at the camp didn't either. I know, no kidding. But but I literally (laughs) didn't know what was going on until we had a best friend slash Bible study leader slash mentor step in and go, um, do you understand what's happening? I was 20. Yeah. No, I was 19. I was like, no. No, you were in your 20s. And so Kevin gets the baptism too, but he got one phrase. And I remember Mm -hmm. it because when we would all be praying in the spirit, he would say it over and over Mm -hmm. and I would get tickled. He got Baruch Atayjim (laughs) Yojim. That's it. That's it. I'm, I mean, tell this story. This is so funny. Just real quick. Just real quick. So I, I, w- I literally, I got the, I got the phrase, and I mean, literally the next day, I, I went to work, and I was like, I would say it. I went, to, I went to the bathroom, and I watched myself say it, and I thought, 
I must be crazy. I must be out of my <laughs> right. mind. What is this doing? You know? And so, uh, I, but I knew I had it. Like I knew mm-hmm. something happened inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so finally somebody came, somebody came, a minister came to town. Marie Sklar's violin. No, no. Benny Hens. Violinist. Violinist yeah. Marie Sklar. <laughs> he came to town and he was praying for, he, he played the, he played the violin. And mm-hmm. It was beautiful. People just like fall out when he would start playing. It was really mm-hmm. cool. Anyway. So he's like, so afterwards I was like, look, I know I have the Holy Spirit. I know I've been prayed for. I know I have it. He was like, wow, you do. And so I was like, I, but I have no language. He's like, okay, well, just lift up your hands, repeat after mm-hmm. me. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No. I've done that <laughs> like 27 times. <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Right. And I'm not a skeptic, but I'm just saying that just really hasn't worked yet. Right. Not That hasn't right, been right. a good tool. He's like, oh, wow, you really mean that, don't you? He said, yeah. He said, okay, well, just close your hands and lift up your eyes. Oh, Wait. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. <laughs> Hey, that was a good Freudian slip. Close your hands. Lift up your arms. You don't do something different. You never know, (laughs) right? Why not? So he was like, close your eyes. The exact opposite of what we typically do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Lift up your hands and just worship the Lord. I was like, okay, Jesus, you're just so awesome. And he was like, and and it just got real quiet all of a sudden. And man, the next thing you know, I hear this right on my neck. I mean, that dude. This is a true story. He hit you? He slapped me two (laughs) hands. hands. Swack right on my neck. And it wasn't like, like knock you down, but it was like, it stunned me, but I I'm was telling you. Though, and I was all, "What's happening?" Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, he slapped him right on the neck." I'm not right joking, you guys. God is my witness. As soon as he slapped my neck, it just came flowing right out. Wow! There you go. <laughs> I mean, See, he heard those from are the those Lord, moments right? Moments where you got to be right, otherwise you just physically yeah. assaulted a person. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> you're either hearing God or you're going to jail, son. Right. Just throw up against the wall again. So yeah, but what was really fantastic is literally right after that happened, like the next day, I just I prayed in tongues all prayed in tongues all the way home, mm-hmm. fell asleep praying in tongues, got up praying in tongues. In the first appointment I went to that that day, I was going to an office to sell him advertising, and I ran into a guy who was just his. You could just look at him, and his his soul was downcast. Yeah. And I said, "Hey, what's going on?" He said, "I just got this diagnosis." Mm. I was like, oh, can I pray for you? And he goes, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah, let me pray for you." So I prayed for him. He just hit his body mm-hmm. he starts shaking he's like god's healed me i'm totally healed wow. he had cancer he had cancer yeah wow. that's fantastic yeah and so anyway but it, it was, was just awesome. it was just one of those good times literally good times one of those one of those stories so i, I love and stories jump. around the baptism they're yeah. they're my favorite awesome, mm-hmm. exciting <laughs> and very yes. unorth- unorthodox right yeah. very <laughs> Often. The Holy Spirit is often exciting often. and often doesn't Curve play balls. by the rules. Yeah. No. Quote unquote rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Jehovah sneaky. I think it's because he knows us all so well and he knows human beings so intricately and he knows so much about us. There's so much to pull out and we stick to our we stick to formula. Our, yeah. We stick to our comfort zones. Everybody's got them. Of course. And then we get each other's comfort zones and then we have comfort zones and we're all together. But he's just so much more aware of mm-hmm. what's on the inside of us and you know it's his job he's pulling things out so he yep. he often again he's always exciting yeah yeah so awesome. speaking of exciting i know that you guys have two little exciting Aww. wonderful people in your home oh, oh energetic yes, and yes. Exciting. exciting and energetic <laughs> tell us about your wonderful children because we get to see them every week yeah right well um, once a week so we have uh twin girls uh, Claire and Emma, they are just over two and a half. Yeah. Yep. I had to two remember half, for a yeah. second. <laughs> you start to just forget things. Um, but yeah, they're fun. Um, they have a lot of energy. We are in the throes of the twos 
I keep trying to declare oh. that they're going to be terrific. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's like <laughs> a level of faith that <laughs> I'm trying. My faith isn't quite there because what I see every day. But, um, but yeah, they're fun. They, um, they definitely are at this age where they're like super fun and then super hard within minutes of each other. And so even like today we were upstairs and um, Claire turns to Emma and she's like, Emma, give me a big hug. And Emma goes, I love you, Claire. And they just hug. And I was like, oh, this is so sweet. Sweet. And then literally two minutes later, they're fighting. So, you know. That's just normal. That's normal. And I just, I was watching it and then they started fighting. I was like, oh, that did not last very long. (laughs) Even the the hug can turn into a fight with, oh, no, you held on too long. Now get away from me and start pushing. And then they start crying when they're pushing the other one. Yeah. Oh, you guys, they're the sweetest. Did y'all want to open up any about how we got them here? Because <laughs> it was a journey. Like, you guys mm-hmm. walked with the Lord yeah, to get those two precious really people did. here. And boy, they're worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting pregnant wasn't easy for us. Um, so it was about three years kind of a process. Yeah, probably about a two and a half, three year process from when we started trying to get pregnant to when they were born. Okay. Um, or when, anyway, about three years. Yeah, okay. about three years. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, so we had some, um, it's funny to me, I feel like the whole journey of getting pregnant, you're, you're like terrified when you first get married. If you don't want to have kids right away, you're terrified about getting pregnant. <laughs> like, oh my God. And then the minute you start trying, you're like, why am I not pregnant yet? Right. It's, it's just so, emotional. it's so funny yeah, right. that flip flop yeah. that I feel like happens. And so, um, it was, it was a journey. Um, it wasn't something that we expected. Um, so it kind of threw us a curveball, and then. We experienced some loss in our journey, um, which was another curveball. Because um, I remember um, after I had a miscarriage, I remember just like really mad at the Lord of this wasn't my battle. Like I have already fought a battle. Why am I fighting another one? I didn't sign up for this. This is unfair. And um, I remember just walking through the grief, like both together and with the Lord um, and I was just reminded about, um, Isaiah 53, where he describes Jesus and he talks about, you know, like he was beaten for your healing. He, you know, died for your sins, but it talks about there, how he bore your grief mm-hmm. on the cross. And it was crazy to me. Cause I remember, um, it was like the weekend we had found out it was for sure a miscarriage. And, um, I was reading that and I just fell in love with Jesus all over again in my grief, not, not from like a place of like pity or, or anything like that, but like, wow, this pain that I'm experiencing right now, you died for Mm. and you didn't have to like my dying for my sin was enough. It was like more than enough, but like you, you bore my grief. And so it just like, took me to a, a, a different place in, in loving him. And I don't know if that's some of the things that has like protected my heart on, you know, th- this journey that we've been on since the girls have been born, um, or not, but, um, it was just this really intimate moment with him, um, that I still think about a lot of like, wow, you bore my grief. Like whenever I experience grief or disappointment, I'm like, you paid for this, you paid for this pain. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, so the um, so we got pregnant with the girls. Um, we found out found we were, out on you tell it right around my birthday. Oh, 
Happy birthday to you. That's awesome. Happy birthday to me. And yeah. it, was it was the fun. due date of the first baby we lost. Oh. We found out we were pregnant. Yeah. And I took the pregnancy test and I knew it was twins. How? Like you knew? Just because uh, like it would be like the Lord you, to you know, give you double what you lost. You know? Oh right. Um, you know. But yeah. Well, I knew. You didn't believe me. I wasn't sure. The... <laughs> The, the the test the the test you took gave me a cause to believe you. Yeah. Let's just say it. Let's just say. But there, you were still you shocked wait at the on ultrasound that. when they were like, right. "Hey, I was like, there's, oh, there's two. two. <laughs> right. I was. He just kept looking at me. Two. There's two. I said, "I told you." Here we take a second. <laughs> like, oh wait, is that what you? It's great. Right. <laughs> there's two I of them. To try that on. I tried to tell you that I knew right. it was twins, but um. Yeah. So yeah, so they were born and um, Claire came out fine and um, Emma had <laughs> she was not ready to come out. <laughs> so um, yep. but when she was born, she had a lot of medical issues. Okay. So that's kind of been the journey that we've been on um, just the last two and a half years. Um, so it was interesting. It was a huge shock. Like caught us out of left field. They didn't see any any of it there coming. There was no sign in the ultrasound. No. Okay. There was um, only one little thing they mentioned, and they're like, oh, we just can't really get a good picture of her today because she's laying in this position. Right. So they're like, oh, a, we'll look at it when really she's born. Right. And so it was like a 36 big. or 37 week ultrasound. So yeah. it was like, oh, wow. You okay, get a lot whatever. of ultrasounds when you're pregnant with yes. twins. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but yeah, so more than normal. that's kind of been our, our journey of um, you know being in a culture, a supernatural culture, um, believing for healing, knowing that it's true, knowing that it's real, knowing that he's good, um, and not seeing that happen in reality for her. Right. And you wouldn't know it, like seeing her, because she's oh. this little bubble of oh joy gosh. and energy and marks to the beat of her own drumness. Gee, yes. I wonder where she gets she that. Does her own, <laughs> she does her own thing, that's for sure. She is such a dream. She's so funny. She doesn't really she care is. what you want to do either. Yeah. She's going to do what she likes to do. <laughs> It is awesome to watch her, though. Yeah, so it's been interesting kind of walking through this journey. She's We've done um, five surgeries for various mm-hmm. different things. Um, and it was weird being in a situation. Um, it really was kind of like a shock to uh, my soul because I realized I had never been in a situation where Jesus was my only hope because wow. um, a lot of, you know, we're in, you know, America and doctors are oh. great and all this different mm-hmm. stuff. And there were some things that they could help. There were some things that they could fix. And then there were some things that they couldn't do anything about. Wow. And um, so, you know, just even us kind of processing of, oh, wow, like if we want to see this happen for her, Jesus is going to have to come mm-hmm. and do something. Wow. Are you guys comfortable in that? How are you doing in it? Um. Well. <laughs> I feel like it's something you just hold with an open hand. Right. Um, That's beautiful. That's exactly. Yeah. It's, it's been this journey of, um, I would probably say the the question he asked me most is, will you trust me with that? Will mm-hmm. you trust me with that? And, and I think we have this conception of trust being like, okay, I trust you only if you're going to do X, Y, or Z. Mm. And I don't think that that's what trust <laughs> is at all. What is trust right. to you now, walking through this? Um, so there's a cool story that illustrates it. Um, do you know Brendan Manning? He wrote a book called Ruthless Trust. I don't. Nope. 
Um, he's not really in our stream at all. He's very like textbooky the way he okay. writes. Um, but he tells this story of this guy who is a brilliant, really well-known theologian from England. He went over to Mother Teresa's ministry in India and like stayed there for three months. And he finally got to meet her. He basically went there because he wanted her to pray for him. And so he finally got the opportunity to, to um, meet her. And she says, well, what would you like me to pray for? And he says, I want you to pray for clarity. And she looked at him and she said, no, that's the last thing that you're holding on to. You need to let it go. And oh. he's like, what do you mean? Like, you seem to have so much clarity in your life. You know exactly you know, where you're going, what you're doing. She's like, I've never had one day or ounce of clarity in my life. I've only ever had trust. So I will pray. So I will pray that you learn to trust. And so that's not like a definition, but I remember I started reading that book again after we had our first miscarriage, and I was like, okay, wow, this is a big ask. And I felt very clearly, like, I heard the Holy Spirit say, um, can you lay down your right to understand and trust me? And I said, okay. And so I, I don't know if, if I would have responded the way I have the last two and a half years without that. That's powerful. You know, um, not to say like, I have not always handled the last two and a half years. Well, like most people have watched me and they're like, Oh, you've handled it so well. I'm like, no, you haven't seen like the <laughs> crying in the middle of the night or the random yelling at my kids. Cause you're just frustrated and tired and, um, the bills and the finances and you know, all right. of that. Everything um, that comes along, yeah, keeping track of all the doctor's appointments and yeah, I mean uh, the additional tension even between right. us of trying to make decisions and sure. dealing and with stuff. Um, you don't see any of that, but um, I think that that has been always what it comes back to for me is just do I trust him, mm-hmm. um, and do I believe that he's good? Mm. And so I think like throughout kind of this whole process, like. Um, just the weight of my grief, um, over, um, what we had to go through, the pain Emma's had to go through the uncertainty of her, her future for different things, you know, physically, um, has really like crushed any like quote unquote Sunday school argument I've had of, um, well, you know, he's got a, a good plan for her. Like it has crushed all of that. And the only thing that's remained standing is I know he didn't do this to her. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. That's so if good. he didn't do that, then I can trust him. Laura, that is beautiful. Um, so, that's that's me. I don't know if you have anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that eloquent. I know. <laughs> it's beautifully said. Right. No, I, I experience stuff a, a, a lot differently than Laura does. My, um, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. It's just it's just <laughs> different. Like I feel like it's I don't true. I really don't ever think about stuff. I feel like I'm like, oh, I just kind of deal with it and move on. Sure. But like I maybe it goes back to that adaptability thing we were talking about before. So like for me, when I go to a new place or a new something like that, a day or two, I'm comfortable in my routine and going about it. Like it doesn't take me long to flip into new stuff. Wow. And so like once I get there, I'm like, okay, well this is just what we're doing. And is it my choice? And is it what we wanted to do? No. And yeah, it was hard. I mean, talking about trying to keep up with stuff that most, we like we've had these conversations that most people 
don't go through what we went through. Like they were born in June. That's a good point. And it was the last week in October before we had a week without a doctor's appointment. So we were four or five months every week without at least one a a week. At least one a week. Usually more than sometimes multiples because she was in physical therapy when she got out of the NICU, which she was in for a while. And um, she had five or six specialists she was seeing. Right. Like every couple of months. And then with each surgery would come like a new round of um, follow-ups and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it's a whole different thing. But um, I realized as well, I realized during the the period of when we found out that she had problems when she was in the NICU, I had these thoughts like, you know, there's a lot of driving. I work in Atlanta, but there's a lot of driving back and forth to Atlanta because she was in Atlanta in the hospital. Okay. And so she was 45 minutes away. From our house, whenever. For how long? Uh, she was there five weeks. Wow. Um, and you know, Claire was at home, so sure. trying to balance seeing Emma in the hospital and Claire at home and oh working and <laughs> all that stuff. But I was like, you know, I'm glad that people are telling us they're praying because I got so I didn't even think about praying today. Like, yeah, seriously. I was wrapped up in let me. How do I hold my child and take care of my child and then do all these other things? That I didn't even think about it. I know that sounds weird. Like, oh, I didn't think about praying, but I'd be on the way home and I'm like, oh, I'm glad somebody's praying for us today because I haven't <laughs> done it. <laughs> like, yeah. At least somebody is. So we're covered. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's an interesting thought to realize, I guess, even like relying on the community, even from that perspective. I've never thought about it before. Yeah. It's, you don't you don't realize how powerful, like if you tell someone who's in a situation like we went through with her that you're praying for them and you mean it and you actually do it, you don't understand how powerful that is because we were too tired to pray. Too tired. And And too, like, shocked still. Like, it was probably three months before I fully wrapped my brain around what all they were telling me was, you know, in the next two or three years for us to be looking for, you know, like as far as surgeries and um, visits and and whatnot. And um, so, like, the fact that, other people would text me and say, I'm at the grocery store. What can I bring you? Or, um, Hey, just letting you know, we're thinking about you today and praying for Emma. I'm like, wow, that's so helpful. Because I don't have the emotional capacity sure. to pray for her right now. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. you guys, that's so that's helpful. Crazy. That's so powerful. I'm just sitting here wondering, cause you guys are, I mean, like you're saying, you're in the middle of it. You're living it. You have lived it. <laughs> You're still living it. You will continue to live it. I wonder um, how much you see the amount of power and grace that you guys are walking in. Super easy for us because we're just sitting here listening thinking, okay, because I work with Laura. I mean, I see you all the long, and you mm-hmm. are full of grace. Mm-hmm. You are full of power. Kirk, on, I don't get to work. We don't get to work with you nearly as much, but you, right. are, you are a peaceful man. Mm-hmm. And discernibly mm-hmm. around you, a peaceful stable man and then just to get a little glimpse of like your your just a tiny glimpse Mm -hmm. of your your seconds and your minutes and your hours just Mm -hmm. is such a testimony to me just of power and grace and and i love my my favorite definition of grace is just god's free power that he gives us to act just like him Mm. that's good Mm -hmm. and you guys this is just you're just describing graciousness and you're gracious Mm. powerful people (laughs) we appreciate you Grace is interesting. I think. Can I make one yeah, more point? Go for I don't it. want to go over time. Oh but, my goodness! Um, no. So I realized when people talk about grace from the Lord, and 
So we had this question when Emma was in the hospital and someone was like, wow, you're doing this so well. How do you do it? And we just looked at each other and we're like, I don't have a choice. Like, my child's up there. Like, I don't have a choice. I have to go see her and I have to take care of Claire. And we just have to make this work. And then we also had this realize the conversation that, oh, you know, not everybody makes that choice. And I'm like, there is no choice, right? But then at the same time, it's like, I feel like when people say there's grace for that season, I don't understand what that means. Like Mm. today, the thought of, oh, there's doctor's appointments every week for four months just terrifies me. But (laughs) although we've kind of been in that way since November anyways, but that that thought just terrifies me. But I'm like, you know, at the time it was just, oh, we're just doing what we're doing and going about it. Mm -hmm. And you still, you know, while adjusting to being new parents, because these are only two kids. So I understand now what that really means, you know, like, oh, no, there's during the season when you need it, you have the ability to do it. Wow. And it didn't feel like a choice to us. (laughs) Right. But. We watched other people not make that choice. Right. You know, like being up at the hospitals and see different different things and hear different things from, <clears throat> like, staff and stuff. But, And I think that that even is what grace looks like of you almost don't even realize you're choosing something because it's just, it's just given to you. Guys, right. that's evidence of Jesus in you. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. even a choice. Like, your bottom, your bottom line is grace. Your bottom line yeah. is, I'm a, that's my person. Your bottom yeah. line, like when you guys get to the bottom of you, it's I'm going to parent well, and you've been a parent for 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a good a word. That's a huge testimony to who yeah. you guys are. That's beautiful. Like, are you shocked at what you have done and what you have accomplished? Are you looking at you at this point and being like, Whoa, wow, like look, are, are you shocked at what you've, you've been able, like the, the power that you have been able to walk in? I don't know if shocked is the right word. I think we look back and we're like, wow. Wow. Through a lot. Yep. <laughs> We've gone through a lot. And I and I remember very vividly different moments of like breaking down and um, like, we can't do this. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And so I think like, you know, we I think a lot of times when we even talk about grace or things like that, we think that we don't have those moments. And when we have those moments, oh God, he's not here or something like that, like, no, I think that's you admitting your weakness, and I think it's you mm-hmm. being honest um, that this is hard and this is painful and mm-hmm. this hurts. And mm-hmm. you can either let that be your end point, or it can just be a okay. I got that out. That's Thank you. How you find grace. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's grace at that point. And looks like you guys just over and over have gotten to that point of oh, there's nothing. Oh wait. Yeah. And then Jesus I mean, releases mm-hmm. grace. I mean, I vividly remember, like, the week she came home from NICU. So she was, like, five or six years old, and she came home with an ostomy pouch. And it was, like, mm-hmm. 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and that thing had leaked for, like, the fourth time. And I just remember right. breaking down. I'm like, I'm not doing it right. Because they had had to teach me how to do it and, you know. Train so, and all that stuff. <laughs> so I had become, like, an ostomy nurse. And yeah. I'm like, I can't do this. And I just remember, like, finally getting on, finally getting her down and just being like, Kurt, like, I can't, I don't know how to do this. Like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you eventually go to sleep and then you wake up and it's a new day and you mm-hmm. keep going. Do it again. Um, and so I think you have to give grace for yourself, too, oh. to, like, That's have those good. moments mm-hmm. of... Um, like having grace from the Lord and having um, 
you know, going through something hard, like it's okay that you have hard moments oh. mm-hmm. and it's okay that you have moments you want to quit. The, the point and the, to me, the, the part where the rubber meets the road is that you don't quit. Like, you come back from it. Yeah. You might be limping in the, in the race at some point, but like you're still going. That's huge. Well, well, again, that's super hard, but man, like what you're capable of. I mean, whoa, Mm -hmm. like, would you Mm -hmm. have known that you were capable of this five years ago? No, no, but you were like, you guys rose to the occasion and not just rising the occasion and doing some crummy job like you're knocking the top off of it and it might not feel like it right because you're still like in it but from where we're sitting you're mm-hmm. knocking the top off of mm-hmm. it like you're, you guys were you did a job yeah right <laughs> yeah that is knocking the top off of it with this you know i don't mm-hmm. think we always know what we can do until we do it absolutely yeah. like you don't know until you're pushed yeah right. so. like well. he worked he works with someone who they have quadruplets <laughs> and I remember him telling me about it when the guy was hired and he came and he's like, babe, like, this new guy, they have quadruplets and they're 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're I 16 just remember now. staring at him thinking, how? I just, I mean, like, I know what yeah. twins is like so, now. I'm like, how, yeah. how do you, mm-hmm. you only have two arms. You're, you're just, outnumbered when the kids yeah. are born. I just don't know what to do. Oh, and they already I, had one too. So that made five. <laughs> oh my God. And, and I met them at their Christmas party and I was like, you were the famous ones. How did you survive? How did you survive? And she just looked at me. She's like, I didn't know I could do it until I did it. Mm-hmm. And I was Staley. like, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. wow. Laura, you said it so beautifully. Where hardship is not from the Lord. He's totally on our side. Like, I, if he got his way, if his will were not challenged, if his will were not coming through us, if his will were not having mm-hmm. to work with the fallen word, world, we wouldn't have bugs or weeds. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Well, we have bugs, but they wouldn't be obnoxious like they are. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. So while, <laughs> like, I mean, he made them. I'm sure there's some purpose out there. But so while those things are not from the Lord, yeah, we just we just live and sickness happens and, yeah. and disease happens. But we have mm-hmm. this Jesus in the middle of it that meets us there and causes us to be like him and act like him. Like you guys are acting like him in a in a very challenging situation. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. But it's always, you know, to me, we crack open these conversations and do these podcasts. I think one of the things that's so, um, I, I, I feel like we just, um, I love to honor that in, in, oh. in, in you guys. And I think it's just, I feel like the gold is, man, there's so many deep rivers here, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not just. Hey, it's just who you see on the outside. There's so much happening and going on. And it's so, what an honor to have you guys come and share your hearts and be vulnerable and, and let other people, cause there are people who are listening that quite possibly have had to go through really hard things and might right. not know what it looks like on, or might be going through something now and could, and you could give them a hope that, oh my gosh, there's, there's an end and there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a light at there's the end of the tunnel and, and then there's power to walk through it. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Really? And I mean, I think it's important to remember it's not just light at the end of the tunnel. It's like light mm-hmm. the whole way through. Oh, Laura, thank you. Say, say that. that. Would you because, say that again? Well, it's and, not just, I, it's I'm, not, I'm speaking out of experience. So <laughs> no, yeah. It's, and it's not just like looking for the light at the end of the tunnel or finally arriving. Cause we haven't like, we, I mean, we still we have daily medical we things would. we have to do for Emma. Like, 
every wow. day. And and there's, you know, projections of, well, she might have to have this procedure at this, and we might have to do this and this. Like, we don't know if there is an end or what that even looks like. And that's even been the hardest thing of, like, right. is this going to end? Mm-hmm. But I think it's shifting the perspective of it's not light at the end of the tunnel. It's light all the way through. Yes. That's powerful. Good. And, like, when it does get dark, you wait for the morning. Wow. You know, and I think um, when you're in that that struggle and when it feels like it's just survival mode, you survive until the morning. And then you, okay, oh, I got one shot back there. You know, like, <laughs> let me patch my wounds and, like, yes. and move on. But, like, in those really dark moments, it's not that you're waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel to just resolve everything. It's, um, no, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to wait with you in this hardship until morning comes. Yeah. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to keep moving. Wow. And so there's light all the way through if you look for it. Yeah, you are just, yeah. you're describing beautiful standing. Like this is beautiful standing. This is mm-hmm. gracious, powerful standing. Mm-hmm. And again, I appreciate you saying that of course there are going to be times that you sit down and boohoo oh my yeah. goodness and right. so again you you find your you find your limits and mm-hmm. then you find the power to go past your limits yeah. and go look at me yeah <laughs> check me out what just happened yeah you know and mm-hmm. and hopefully in jesus name like can celebrate yourself that you go past a limit like something at one point you come to it and you're like i cannot go over this yeah but the next morning you're over it yeah so you guys, I, sh- I hope you're just celebrating yourself huge. Yeah. Like you're, you're getting the opportunity to come to more of those yeah. than the average, you know, average schmo. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. guys are going past every single one of them, like reach a limit and go, yeah, but look, I'm on the other side of it again. <laughs> I hope you, I hope you, just, yeah. you have just the permission to just, I hope you can just fully celebrate what's going on in you it looks like the lord it's the gospel it's it's what the bible says you people look like the bible i mean this is (laughs) this is walking with jesus you have gold leaf for sale baby (laughs) (laughs) gold leaf for sure gold leaf yeah you like silver better so i'll I'll give you silver leaf okay thank you (laughs) oh my gosh you guys the armor y'all are you're precious awesome thank you so much yeah. for well, coming so yeah. uh, a couple things that thanks so much for tuning in to BA Chats and thank you for joining us I, I know we mentioned about um, the school of ministry mm-hmm. and so um, our producer was just saying um, if you have questions about the fourth year school mm-hmm. he was saying um, that you can go to www.bethelschoolatlanta uh, I'm sorry www.bethelatlantaschool.com mm-hmm. for more information and details bring it on yeah And also, if you want to send your testimonies in or you want to know more about the testimonies, um, we actually have an email address called bachats at (laughs) best.